there <laughs> it's been a quite a quite a week um i think between the two of us some might think you had more going on than i did <laughs> you almost lost yeah. your eye yeah <clears throat> um Anybody who does yard work, I totally, you, I totally recommend wearing eyewear, uh, protective eyewear. I was weed eating, I was edging, and something I hit something. I don't know, and it went directly into my eye. Like no, no blinking, no, you know, on the eyelid, straight into the front of my eye, and uh, scratched my cornea pretty bad actually. And went to the ER and been in and out of doctor's appointments since it's it's Wednesday now. I think I've been to like five doctor appointments. It's been pretty rough. And today is really the first day where I've felt like myself. Like yesterday was a little bit better, but it wasn't, it, it still felt like, like something was going on. Like, you know, you just feel off and like half of your, you know, half of your body is like sagging and like very not useful. And then the other half is supposed to be, you're supposed to have, not only is it supposed to function normally, but it's supposed to kind of like like take over for the other side and it just won't because your eyes are very sympathetic is what I've learned. Like if one is tired, the other one is going to be tired. They're connected like it just is. And then when your eyes are tired and son's crying in the background, forgive that it's late. Um, but when your eyes are tired, then you get tired even if you're not really tired. So I've been sleeping a ton. Um, they've had me on meds, so I'm kind of like loopy at times. And I look loopy because my, yeah, whatever. But it, it was really rough, man, really rough. Always wear protective eyewear. Even if you think that there might possibly be a chance of something happening, you should just do it because it's like no fun. That's amazing. <laughs> my uncle uh, used to wear like, he looked crazy. He was a chemist uh, and uh, bi biochemical engineer, and uh, the other side of my family that I didn't really get to hang out with much. And so one time I saw him. I went over to my aunt's house and he was mowing, and he was just in all the protective gear, like he, he was <laughs> one step removed from like a hazmat suit as he's mowing the lawn. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, my kind of guy now. These dishwasher gloves, and he's got the the headset on, you know, to protect his eyes and. I'm just like, what is this guy doing? Is he mowing the lawn or is he like checking for landmines? I don't know what he's doing right now. And so until I hear a story like yours, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? Maybe he well, was what, on the right track. The optometrist that saw me, there happened to be an optometrist in the ER, just happened to be seeing somebody else and miraculously was down the hall. And they said, hey, we got another eye guy. And so he came down to help me. Thank God. But he said that, uh, yeah, there was a guy that was mowing his yard, was on a riding mower, and it threw something out, hit a wall, came and hit him straight in the eye, and he ended up losing the eye. Yeah. What? Yeah. He was just mowing the yard. Like, he wasn't even, you know, and you don't think that something like that would happen, so you just, you know, don't wear protective gear and stuff, but yeah, it happens. Of course, he was an idiot and didn't go in to get it checked for three days. Uh, and by that time, it was infected, so like, what are you going to do, you know? But um, in in my case, I was like, no, 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 I'm not messing with eye stuff, man. It's, yeah, it's rough. It's the only one you get. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better in that. It looks like you get to keep your eye. <laughs> that's It does, yeah. That's a net positive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true on that negative monetarily right. uh, but, uh, but I wise I'm still net even how's that right. 
Wow. So yeah, I think by contrast, my work, my week has been way harder than yours, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. What's your week like? <laughs> well, so we've been doing a, uh, uh casting sessions for uh, this film I'm working on. Uh, it's, medical in nature but it's a 30-minute drama trying to give empathy to what's normally stigmatized like mental health uh, issues and uh, what it's like to go through the mental health care system as someone who's maybe had a, a psychological break of some kind um, and in the film we're, we're portraying someone going through a schizophrenic break and all the fallout that happens with that legally and uh, how the path to recovery looks and so uh, it's a very long it took me a long time to write these scripts and all the research. So I've been in it for months and we finally got to the part where we're looking to possibly film. And Ricky just sent me a text saying that, uh, expletive just sent, <laughs> uh, so that you should be getting, I just saw it. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, and I wanted to kind of talk about that because, uh, the audition process is something unique that we don't really have ever have a chance to go into depth on this show, uh, because we're, normally so much more focused on what's within the frame and we don't really ever get a chance to talk about what that process looks like of selecting and going through it as an actor and uh, going through it as a director and uh, sorry one second Ricky's suddenly has a thousand things he wants to ask me um, yeah so the audition process is a uh, it's an interesting one from both sides of the camera because I've been an actor for over a decade where I've gone to audition after audition. And, uh, it's, it's a game changer. Once you go from acting in smaller parts, uh, as you're just looking for stuff yourself, and then you transition into getting an agent. And once I got an agent, uh, the competition just jumped. I used to go from, I booked everything that I like, I would say I had about a 70 to 80% booking rate, uh, before I had an agent. And then I got an agent and suddenly I wasn't even getting callbacks anymore. And it was just a completely different racket. Like I had to adjust to the kind of projects that we have available. We're in Austin, Texas. And so we don't necessarily always get dramatic parts. Like it's a lot of commercial stuff where you're just kind of pantomiming and uh, trying to look cute for the camera and smile and sell the whatever um, toothpaste. And so that took me a long time to figure out like, okay, how do I switch my mindset and also learn how to present my best self? How do I set my game up to the next level? And it, for years, it just was going nowhere. Like I just was struggling. And then, you know, I had a few small successes and eventually quit my agent and just haven't found another one yet. And so I haven't really been acting as much lately. But in that interim, I've definitely been doing more directing. I've had plenty of casting uh, calls. And now I have a much better idea of what it's like to sit in the room as someone who's wanting pe watching people come in because I've always I've gone to so many workshops uh, from casting directors and you know sat in the room with directors and so many people that are also in that room and telling it from their perspective and they always say the same thing they always say we're rooting for you we want you to do well and I took them at their word I was like yeah I guess you don't want someone to come in and, and fail but you don't really understand what it means until you're actually waiting uh, for someone to nail the role so that you can feel that sign of relief of, Oh my God. Okay. This project can work because now we have someone who can own it. And so with that in mind, like we're, we're only really working at right now, casting three of our, our lead roles. And with just these three roles, we, uh, we had a uh, 300 to 400 submissions that we went through. 
Whoa. For just three roles. And again, I didn't go through a casting agency. These were just uh, me going through my own routes and me and my producer kind of sat down and here's all the places I like to go. I don't, because of my past experiences, I don't really like going through casting directors right now um, just because I don't really trust them to bring me the most talented people. They just send people, man. They just send people. people. Yeah. Um, And so it's really interesting and frustrating whenever you go through so many hundreds of submissions and you start to realize a few uh, recurring themes. Uh, People not reading the casting notice, like uh, they just won't submit what you ask them to submit. It's absolutely astounding how many people I I had to cut because they gave me nothing to go on. Like some of these people just sent a link to some profile on a website I've never heard of uh, that provided nothing, nothing. Like I didn't see a picture or a headshot or a resume. They're lazy, let alone a reel. And I'm just like, why would y'all do this to yourself or me? Like, what was the point of wasting your time uh, in doing this? And so there might've been some really great actors we didn't get to see just because uh, they didn't do anything whatsoever. Uh, But even whenever you get into the people who took the time to actually send a headshot, a resume and and a reel, the vast majority like still, okay, let's say uh, 50 people didn't submit anything. It was just a weird waste of time. Of the other remaining, let's say, 200 people, only literally three or four people sent the things that I asked them to send, which I didn't ask for a reel. Um, and it's common courtesy to send a headshot and resume. If you're if you're an actor, you already understand that. But the, the other two things that I wanted were a monologue and a recording of you playing music because these three roles are really hard to cast because we need musicians. You might have heard... Uh, Todd wax poetic about having non-musicians playing music. Uh, that's a pet peeve of his and I can respect it. <laughs> and it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. And in this case, because we're shooting mixed, we are not only shooting uh, regular 2d, but half of this is also in VR, which is 360 video, much more difficult to hide a non-player in that kind of environment. And so we just thought it would be much safer to cast an actual musician. And so only three or four people gave me what I asked for, which was a monologue and a performance. And it's so frustrating. So we had to go through and judge based on reels. I was like, okay, normally the Todd, you know this about me. Normally that's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, well just screw you. You're out. Um, yes. <laughs> but when the mob takes control, you're kind of, <laughs> and you only have three choices. Right. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. Like, there's a there's a limit. So I basically had to have my my producer reach out to a ton of people. Like I think we still even after going through all the resumes and reels, um, we still had about sixty five people that wow. we needed to get more info from. And so we tried to schedule all these people for follow ups as long as they could send us some demonstration of a monologue and a musical piece. And end of those, I think we still only had half like for whatever reason half of these other people we're not this this isn't a cheap project like we're we're paying pretty good rates for this it's not like you're gonna walk you know walk onto the set and only make 200 bucks uh for one of these roles like there our top role is making six grand Uh, the other roles are making like three or four grand i don't really know off the top of my head that's producer stuff i try not to 
get overly involved as long as I feel like, you know, yeah. he, he talks it over with me. He's like, what's a, what's a good day rate? And I was like, okay, for these kind of roles, blah, blah, blah. And we can extrapolate and I always try to make sure my actors are taken care of. But these that's are good, good about you. Thanks, man. And these are really good roles. Uh, I think the script is going to be something that's interesting. If you're an actor who wants to work on something meaningful, um, there's a lot of room for play in these things. Um, and I built it with Definitely. a lot of intention, um, at least I tried to. And, and so once people started submitting their musical pieces and yours, by the way, and so we're going to get into Todd here in a second because he's, he's a part of this process. Cause I auditioned. <laughs> he auditioned. <Surprise>. <laughs> and, uh, I watched your entire musical piece. Like, uh, it's a great song. And I was just like, yeah. And there was only, there's only a few of those. I, I, I did, uh, one other woman, uh, who submitted the music wrote, and performed her own piece as well. And she she had a beautiful song. Her name was Abby Joy. Um, and she did a great job. And uh, I think y'all two were the only ones that were over like three minutes. Uh, everyone else was like, oh, well, just play a few chords. And I was like, okay, I think you can play. But you didn't really strut your stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was interesting going through as I started getting all these monologues. There's, there's, I have a lot of sympathy for casting directors. I remember I went to this, uh, there's good monologues and there's bad monologues. Um, there's a, there's a right way uh, to me. There's a right way and a wrong way. Um, and there's gray area for sure. And one of the wrong ways is to pick a well-known monologue. And there was two in particular that I was like, I heard literally maybe one second worth, uh, maybe like one or two words. And I literally just stopped and I was like, no, we're not doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> because I knew, I knew immediately what the, what the monologue was and where it was from. Um, yeah. And I'll see if, see if you can get one of these. Okay. So one of them was the only, the, the first opening was rehabilitated. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Nope, we're not we're not doing Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, no, um, we're not. I mean, we're doing it next week. Uh, just a spoiler, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, you you can't do that. And another, someone else picked a, the monologue from Goodwill Hunting, Robin uh, uh, Williams on on the bench. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and I knew that from the first two words, and I was like, <sighs> nope. Um, and I waited because my producer was watching watching these with me and he's trying to get an idea of what I'm looking for. And he was like, wait, what, why'd you cut that one? I was like, oh, you don't, you didn't recognize that? And he was like, I barely heard anything. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's good while hunting. And I played it for a few more seconds. I was like, yep, see, there it is. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh crap, okay. And I was like, yeah, there's just, you don't want to pick a well-known monologue because that's all we're going to be able to see. I'm only going to be able to see right. Morgan Freeman. I'm only going to be able to compare you to Robin Williams. And that's not a good place to be because you can't win that battle. Yeah. And that's already so well known that you're probably going to fall into their rhythms. You can't make it your own. And if you do, it takes a lot of work in order to make it your own. You have to distance yourself from that film. And to be honest, this is a trap I fell into in early on before someone, uh, one of my acting coaches pulled me aside and said, Hey, that's, this isn't a good monologue. Uh, and I was doing a far less well-known one, uh, from Antoine Fisher. Uh, there's this really great hard, you know, monologue that goes a lot of places. And I did my best. Like I completely went away from the movie and stopped watching it. Like 
I just wanted to look at the words and feed off the words. And still, even then, I was like, I began to understand, like, yeah, I don't want to run across someone who's been, uh, who's comparing me to uh, Derek, Derek Luke. He's obviously a world-class actor and he did an amazing job and blah, blah, blah. And so you want to absolutely stay away from those. And yours was an interesting one because I, whenever I imagine I, you knew it, it took me a while. Like at first I was like, man, this is familiar. What is this from? And so I was a little distracted. And then, uh, I don't know, about 20 seconds in, I stopped. I stopped being distracted and I started to get you pulled me in um, all the way up until you said the word meth. Um, then I was like, there it is. And then I was distracted again. And so yeah. it's, it, I would say that was at the end of it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you had me, but at the same time, it, you, your choice was very gray area. Like I wouldn't say it was either good or bad, um, just yeah. because it did end up distracting me. But at the same time, uh, you also pulled me in. So there's, there's pluses and minuses on the, just on the monologue front, you still nailed it. But after a certain point, after I heard meth, I started thinking Jesse Plemons or, or uh, Jesse Pinkman. Pinkman. Yeah. But it was still really, really good. And I was still more than happy to, to pull you into the uh, uh, the next round of the auditions, of course. Um, awesome. Thanks, man. And in all reality, you're probably going to get the, the, the next level anyway, because I already am familiar with you and already know what you're capable of. And so I was already comfortable sending you and then seeing, you know, uh, what you were working with in the monologue. I was still very happy. But... Picking a monologue is really difficult. I think a better place to pick them would be from a play. Like you're never there's the writing in plays is so much better than your average movie. Uh, so just picking up you know uh, an okay play, find a few playwrights. You don't even have to go to like Tennessee Williams. You can go find some modern day playwrights, and you're gonna find amazing monologues that no one's ever heard before that you haven't heard before that now you can start to develop on your own and start to feel out the rhythms or you can you know also pick up a monologue book and uh put your own stamp on that that's perfectly fine too but i think the important thing is uh something that's unknown so that you can make your own choices and also make sure it has an arc you know it shouldn't be all ups or all downs it should be uh have a story and give you an opportunity to kind of rise and fall so that you can demonstrate your your nuance and your ability to tackle a scene in and of itself and that's really difficult yeah and so the next round is uh, actually tomorrow and we're going to be doing some callbacks i had one interesting uh, the most interesting audition that I had, and we did a, the second round over Monday and Tuesday, but there was a really interesting one because I was really excited about two actresses for my lead role. The lead in this uh, film is a woman, and there were two in particular I was interested in, and uh, just based on their reel, their musical capability, and uh, their the monologue they provided and their and their resume, like it was just all there, and I was like, oh man. Uh, these are the two to watch and one the first one showed up and she nailed it i was like really excited yes this is good I'm, i can't wait to see what she does with this other scene so that was the first round the first round you just do your own thing and the second round i was having people read scenes from my script and so that they could start to interpret the character and see and i could see what they can bring to it um and so the first woman that i was excited about killed it second woman came in flat it was absolutely just you know dead all there, really? there was just nothing in it. And I was like, 
I, I made some adjustments, uh, which I like to do. Uh, I don't like to go crazy in my adjustments, but I do like to make something, some kind of adjustment just to see if, it, if they can make it. Um, and to some degree, the more nuanced, the better, just so that I can see that they're not going to overcorrect. So I gave, I gave her an adjustment and there was just, there were some changes, but as a whole, it just still wasn't clicking. And what was interesting about this one is that I just kind of got real with her and I was, this is the first time I've done this with an actor and I was only comfortable doing it because of her resume and her background. She clearly was talented and she works with people that I respect. And so I was just said, what's your philosophy, you know? And she was like, you know, a little bit of Meisner and I also uh, like practical aesthetics, which I, I've never heard of that. Uh, I, and as she described it, and I was like, oh, okay, like a Uta Hagen substitution. And she was like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, what is that? Can you explain that? Yeah, so substitution is the idea of you've lived a life and you have your own experiences to draw on. And so, like for me, maybe maybe I've never lost a loved one, let's say. Maybe I'm going to a funeral and I don't know what it's like to go to a funeral where I've lost my sister or my best friend. But maybe, uh, maybe I just had this take this in with the with the right grain of salt here but maybe like i've lost a grandmother or maybe i lost a, a pet that i really love like i had this pet from the time that i was a baby until you know i was 20 years old and suddenly you know you start to figure out where your own emotional attachments have been that that you can relate to this scene and you start to kind of overlap it and you start to draw on that and so it's the idea of substituting your own experiences and for some of these uh fake experiences that are in the script and so she she kind of likes that and i was like okay well, I'm really excited about you. I think, you know, you're talented, but the scene is not clicking right now. It's not working. Like, it's flat. I'm here. You just say the lines. Um, but I think you have the talent, and I'd like to bring you to callbacks anyway and see what you can do in the interim. If you can work on this scene um, and, and, you know, start to develop it and bring some texture to it, um, I'd like to see, you know, what you can do. And, and that's why I was asking what your background is. Because I'm not sure, uh, maybe I'm just not familiar with Meisner enough, but I just don't feel like, uh, the Meisner technique would give me a lot of change between now and then, but substitution uh, or practical aesthetic like that, I can see you doing some homework and figuring out how to apply some of these beats and figuring out where the rhythm and the arcs are. And so I would like to bring you to callbacks anyway. And so that's a, and it was very blunt and, uh, and honest, but I, I hope she appreciated the the conversation and she took it, you know, Amazingly, she was very receptive uh, on the face of it. Um, if not, then she was just super professional. But if I was an actor and someone was like, hey, man, I really like your work, but this isn't working right now, do some work on this and come back to me, then I would be super happy. I'd be like, okay, they're, gonna, they're giving me a shot and it isn't working. They told me why it's not working for them and now I have an opportunity. That's how there's this famous thing with Sean Penn where he, did, he, he bombed at his audition for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And they were like, go back into the room, work on it. And we'll bring you back in at the end of the day. And he did like at the end of the day, he came back in, wow. nailed it. And that was, uh, his launching his career. And so sometimes if you have a feeling, a gut feeling, maybe it pays to just give people a shot. And I hope I'd love that to pan out because sitting in the, in the chair, you're just wanting everyone to do amazing. And the best feeling in the world is I have too many options. Like <laughs> you can't go wrong. Right. Um, right. And right now you're doing really well, man. Um, I was really excited about your performance. The, you did a great job in terms of, I, I gave you some adjustments and I'm interested to hear what my, my producer thinks. Um, because 
from his perspective, I would imagine he thinks I've been feeding you like bits and pieces yeah. of insider intel. And I haven't like, and I wouldn't mind. It's not that I'm morally opposed to it or something, but I, I am nice. Okay. I am. I wouldn't, I, that's why I haven't asked you for anything. That's why when I was texting you about, you said something about this, this character's bass player. And then I said, okay, so I send something playing bass. Never mind. I'm just going to send it. You know, I was like, it's like, you know, I'm just going to do it because I didn't want any kind of I didn't want it there to feel like there was any kind of um, favoritism, special treatment yeah. any favoritism or anything like that, you know, like for myself, you know, not even like, look, if I book it great, I'm happy if, if for no other reason, because I get to work with you like that's for, in, in a capacity where you're directing me like that. That's amazing. But if I don't, then I don't. And I and that's OK. I would rather you know, get it for real or not get it at all, you know, cause what's the point in booking something when you're not, when it was handed to you, like then you, you almost feel worse yeah. than if you don't get it in the first place, you know? No, I, that's a good point. I mean, there were people that I knew that, and I've done this before. I'll bring in people I know all the time. I love helping people. I know anytime I can, mm -hmm. but, and you also know this about me. I'm, I'm not going to book someone who's not going to help my project. Like I have a, responsibility to my work um, and to the client uh, to present the best face possible. Um, and mm -hmm. I've had people and it hurts, man. You have no idea when someone that you invited and you're like, I I've worked with this person I, they kill and they just don't prepare. They come in and they just yeah. crap all over the place. And you're just like, don't, why'd you do that to me? Did you, I know you didn't think I was just going to give you a handout. Like you showed up unprepared, get out. It's, it, it hurts my feelings. Um, and I've had that happen a few times and, but right now, uh, you're easily in the top three running for your, for your role. Um, awesome. I expect it to be between you and, uh, one or two other guys. A lot of it's going to come down to the client. Um, and we'll see how that goes and you know, how, how everything goes tomorrow. Of course, uh, there's still more work to do, but I loved the, the tone that you brought to the, to the role. It was exactly, exactly what I was looking for. And it was so comforting whenever, you know, your best friend starts reading and you're just like, man, <laughs> don't make me Please look stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Ricky's never seen you act. Yeah. And whenever I'm telling him like, hey, yeah, I think Todd's gonna, Todd could be a really great you know, choice for this role. I know he trusts me, but at the same time, uh, he knows, you know, these things happens where people don't get the role that they don't deserve. And, um, yeah. and so whenever you came in and nailed, I was like, oh, yes. Um, and well, yeah. And the other yeah, great I thing is I didn't give you a ton of redirection. I gave you just a few words because some people would ask questions and it would just set me off in a, in a way that I probably gave them too much direction. Like, uh, whenever you ask the wrong question about a script I've been pouring over for six months, that's a loaded gun, man. Like I'm not trying yeah. to overwhelm you, but, uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, and so, but I gave you just a very small redirection and I love that you didn't overcorrect. You still understood who the character was. And I really tried to emphasize it in the script. I, I labeled him as a paragon of patience. Um, and that was very decisive to let people know that as you're reading this role, because in the scene that I gave you, the guy's having a very, very difficult time getting through to the patient. She's at the peak of a, a psychotic break and she's having a, 
an impossible time connecting with other people um, and understanding what's going on around her. And so it can be easy to read the lines and say that uh, your character, Jack, is having a frustrating time trying to talk to somebody. Um, And so I tried to set that up with the character description saying that Jack is a paragon of uh, patience so that you know that this guy is endlessly patient. But there's only so much that you can do with that. You have to understand also that uh, he's a gentle soul and that he's really trying to help somebody. Uh, somebody. And so your first read was perfect, actually. Um, but I wanted to give a redirection just yeah. to see if you were capable. And so I told uh, Todd to uh, make it a little more clinical because this guy is a veteran. He's been there for 10 years, um, maybe 15, you know. And so he's done this day in and day out. And so there's a certain level of I've seen this before and maybe the compassion is still there, but maybe the questions kind of get a little bit more uh, flat and withdrawn. And, um, and so it's just a textural change in the subtlest way. And you didn't overcorrect. I had other people who did, who I said, Hey, yeah. So a little bit more clinical, you know, it's still, still compassionate, but, uh, just a little, uh, not, not quite as friendly. And suddenly the intensity went from like a two to an eight and I'm just like, Oh yeah cut hold on bro not yeah <laughs> not, not there you know uh he still yeah. lo- he still wants this person to do well <laughs> um i think i think it, it's helped me a little bit like having kids not because of my own kids but because of other people's mm-hmm. so like my own kids they don't do what i tell them i get mad right but other people's kids you're not allowed to get mad at other people's kids but you can get somewhat frustrated um, without kind of letting them know that because then they'll go back and tell their parents like he was, you know? And so you got to kind of like, like just repeat with a little bit more intensity, but not, you know, not the eight like you were talking about. So that's how I kind of, I expected you to give me some kind of change because I know that that's how you like to, like you like to test the waters. Like what can this person do? What can this actor do? Can they, you know, can they take direction? Because on set, you might you might have a change in 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 the way that you want this character to be played right the day before we start shooting. Who knows? Right. And are you going to be able to rely on the person that's playing Jack to give you that subtle change? Because it's obviously not going to be a big one. But, you know, you can't have them go from a two to an eight, but a two to a four. That's what you need. You know, the um, yeah. So I kind of like thought of it like, okay. Um, Adeline, Simon and Sar- Charlotte's friend. She's throwing rocks out front. Okay, how do I get her to stop that without being a jerk? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, that's that's Uda Hagen, man. That's substitution. That's that's oh, amazing. Okay, well, there you yeah, go. there you go. <laughs> well yeah, done. I guess I guess so. I guess yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah, it was, it's it's that's exactly right. You know, and it's it's difficult because I also will have a client on set uh, at certain points, and they. I don't know how this client is going to work. Hopefully, you know, they, they don't start talking to my actors. That's a big no, no, um, on set. Like you only want one person in the actor's ear. You don't want five people in the actor's ear getting conflicting information and they don't know who to listen to. Uh, that creates chaos and uneven performance across a 30 minute project. Cause it's not like you can step into one scene and make a massive change. And then suddenly it makes sense in context of the other, you know, 15 scenes. Uh, it all has to make sense and all has to fit into a cohesive story. And so, yeah, it, and tomorrow is going to be important because I'm going to start to learn about people who's reliable, who shows up on time. Um, those are all things that matter for a set, too, because if someone can't be punctual, you can't make your day. <laughs> like, right. You got to show up. You got to be prepared. Um, and unfortunately, you got a, a, a setback because 
you only just now got the sides for tomorrow's uh, scene. And so um, yeah, I just glanced at them. They don't seem too long. No, it's a shorter um, scene, luckily. So, um, yeah, but it's uh, an important scene. So, yeah, of course, of course. Naturally. Um, cool. Yeah. So we actually might send this to the end of the episode. I don't know. Um, like I might edit this and yeah. rearrange it to the, to the back. Um, but yeah, so great job, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, how that all, how it all shakes out. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity, man. Yeah. If not, I mean, if nothing else, it's been fun and I really liked, cause I, man, I looked a long time for monologue and like kind of what I wanted was, and I realize now, you know, hearing from, from you, uh, you're totally right. I probably should have picked something that I knew you weren't going to ever know, but I kind of something in me was like, I kind of want him to know this a little bit but to find out <laughs> later, you know, yeah. in it, like I knew you weren't going to know it right away. I, I, I just knew it, but I, obviously I knew it when I said meth, I knew you were going to know, Yeah. but that I kind of wanted that a little bit because nice. I thought about changing the mm. meth line to something else. But then I was like, no, I, I want him I want him to be like, what is this? What is this? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Something we bonded over a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I just loved that character. And I felt like that scene in particular, it's like, he's just an amazing actor. And uh, um, the guy that, I forget his name, but the guy that played Jesse Pinkman. And I did some research on him and it was funny. Like he was like pretty, pretty at the end of his rope when he was, when he auditioned for Breaking Bad. And he actually like, totally botched the audition like nobody wanted him only vince wanted him and to the point where vince had to tell everyone no he's the guy or you don't have a show like it was that it was like that like he came out into the hallway after it because he he was like oh man i totally botched that and vince like you were talking about earlier with sean penn he came out and he's like i'm rooting for you i think you're the guy but i gotta convince all these other people that you're the guy but luckily, it's my show, so <laughs> <laughs> it helps. Um, yeah, but it was um, it was just, and then you know he's just an, I thought he was did amazing in that show. You know he was that character, and so um, I kind of wanted to pull something from from him. I probably could have picked something a little bit more like unnoticeable, but I like your idea about pulling from a um, from a play. There's so many great plays mm. and so many like. I mean, there's there's a hundred different monologues in almost every single play. I mean, most of it is monologues if you think about it, you know. Um, uh, so, so yeah, why not? There's a a bevy of uh, possibilities there, but uh, yeah. But just anyway, thanks for the opportunity, and hopefully this will be fine yeah. soon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this whole situation I got going on yeah, in my facial region. <laughs> yeah, that's that was that was definitely a concern, but. Uh, there's yeah. there's a lot of concerns like we also don't know if we'll even be able to film like that we're still kind of shaking that out and understanding can we get the locations that we need can yeah it's been just a weird thing but we're under contractual obligation with a state contract and so uh, it's all weird and so we're just yeah one step at a time I guess well luckily with this it's like today is like night and day from yesterday I can yeah. actually keep it open. Yesterday, I could barely keep it open at all. Now I can actually keep it open, and and I can see. I'm probably at already at like 60% back nice. uh, visibility without being blurry. Um, it gets dry really fa fast, but 
I just, you know, a few drops and I'm okay. Wow. So I think by the time that y'all are shooting, if I booked it, by the time that y'all are shooting, I'll be totally fine. Badass, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thank scary. God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good Lord. Anyway. anyway. Great chat, man. Thanks for the, the insight. Yeah. Thanks, man. Hopefully I covered everything I was hoping to. Yeah, I think so. Um, I tried not to look at my notes because there was a thousand things I wanted to say that I just couldn't spell out in my notes. Um, and I have a well, habit. I whenever, feel like this should be its own episode. I, yeah, I think so. I think we'll turn it into a bonus episode um, that we'll release separately. Um, and okay. so this will be an interesting edit on uh, that I'll have to make. <laughs> Yeah. We need a, a slap cl- slate again. Basically. A clap um, slate. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening to our first bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. And scene. And scene. <laughs>